0: With so many ICOs hitting the crypto markets, how can you tell which are the winners and which are the losers? In this episode, we'll discuss some of the things to look for as you do your own research. We'll also share how to stock up on free crypto via airdrops, and you'll discover a bank that's gotten wise by allowing their customers to invest in cryptocurrency. It's all the deliciousness of a plate of bacon without the greasy mess. Welcome to episode number 94 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five,
1: four, three, two,
0: five, zero. Who's bad? This is the Bad Crypto Podcast, and welcome. We're, we're a friendly crew here, and the Republic of Bad Cryptopia is a friendly place. Like the Hard Rock Cafe, we love all and serve all. And I'm Joel Com, and your other server is Mr. Travis Wright.
2: Yeah, and I'm not nearly as friendly as Joel Com, so step back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> step off, bucko. Just step off. Well, kahuna matata to you, my friend. And uh, it's good to be back from Social Media Marketing World in San Diego. Uh, Actually, I doubled down on conferences there. I spoke at the Traffic and Conversion Conference at the Marriott Marquis. Talked all about live video for a room that had to be fire marshaled. That's like a humble brag saying they had to close it off because the room was packed. And then off to Social Media Marketing World. At the San Diego Convention Center, where for two days, um, I co-hosted a live stage with Sonny Leonarduzzi, We did 12 hours of live streaming with a parade, a virtual parade, if you will, of social media superstars and experts and musicians. And it was great fun.
2: Did you have an, another co Did you cheat on me, Mr. Joel Kamm?
0: I did. Sunny is, is a much more attractive co-host, but she talks social, not cryptos.
2: That's true. That is true. Yeah, I got a chance to see you up there working your magic, Mr. Joel Kamm. That was nice. The stage actually looked like uh, Ellen DeGeneres might come out and dance a little bit. You. You were a good Ellen stand-in.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And I represented on day two, I wore my Bad Crypto Podcast shirt. So I red-pilled uh, anybody that was watching the stream on the Social Media Examiner page. And we probably had um, at least 70,000 views of that. And they're going to be, you know, breaking down each one of those interviews and segments and putting them out there over, you know, the next few months, I'm sure. So Nice job with bad. the brand placement, Mr. Joel Com. Yeah. Well, it is the show that Googles stuff, so you don't have to. I mean, why use that Google? We're, we're here. We can search for things. We can find it. You just sit there in your easy chair and eat bonbons and listen to every episode, and we'll do it for you. But, you know, I, I, I'm actually binging more because um, I'm not happy with Google right now, and neither are you. Yeah, not really happy with
2: Google right now. Apparently, there's a, if you have been on YouTube lately and uh, looked
0: for the Bad Crypto podcast, you will see that we are not there. We have, have disappearified. Um, uh, a few days ago, I got three emails in the uh, course of one minute. They were all time stamped with the same minute. And the first email said that a video that we had was violating the terms of service of YouTube and they pointed to our get $10 in free Bitcoin video, which, you know, if you look on YouTube, there's tons of them. It's the Coinbase thing. You know, here's how to get $10 free when you mm-hmm. go to.
2: That was actually a tutorial that somebody had asked, for, asked us to do. They said, hey, yeah. can you show us how that works? And so we made like a quick, I don't know, five-minute video to show. This was like back in August, right? So we made that video, maybe September, to show people how to go through the process to get the $10 from that. So it wasn't even an official episode. It was just a random episode. And we had no strikes on us, Mr. Joelcom.
0: None. But then that email was followed up by another email that says, Ah, eh, you violated so many things, we're we're gonna shut your account. And that email was followed by another that said, We're shutting your Google account. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, what? Uh so I, I was able to log back into the Google account and that's fine, but the YouTube account is gone. Now, not very many of you listen there. Uh you know, I think maybe we had sixty, seventy thousand listens since the show started, which is just a you know a really small part of our total listens but they um they definitely closed the account and sorry to those of you who listen on YouTube but you can obviously listen to us other places cuz you're hearing us right now you know you can stream us at badcryptopodcast.com or you can hear us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, uh Google Play at least for now and, uh, we are, uh, I have a friend who knows somebody at YouTube. He works closely. Well, I don't know about closely, but he works with them and he's trying to figure out, uh, what's happening here because there's all of these scammy YouTubers. I was watching some of them today. Um, you know, there's a few good guys out there, but there are some really, really, scammy YouTubers Pumping and
2: dumping and oh it's just God. it's just unbelievable and so we make a point to not pump and dump we make a point to you know make people think and do your own research and all that stuff you guys have been part of this you know what it's all about and for them to ban us and then we actually even um you know submitted a, a request to to reactivate the account to appeal of, to appeal it yeah and they said no we looked at it sorry and uh you can't email us about this it's like wow they didn't tell us exactly what happened they've just and then if you go on twitter and type in the hashtag youtube purge there has been a whole bunch of uh, conspiracy theory sites and uh, crypto um, programs that are being taken down so long
0: crypto shows if you're if you're (laughs) trayvon whatever his name is and you'll be connect you know then you can you can, you know, post all you want.
2: Yeah. And uh, so it's interesting. So censorship in full effect, we really do need to have some decentralized uh, solutions, folks, because this is what happens in a society that doesn't uh, really appreciate free speech or doesn't ap- appreciate you thinking incorrectly, I guess. Right. Maybe we're wrong thinkers and they don't like the crypto stuff. And so uh, I don't know. It's really weird how that all happened. And not cool. Google, not cool. Don't be evil. Right. Don't be evil.
0: Well, we appreciate you as our listeners, and thanks for going to listen wherever you can find us. And we're going to work on that Google thing, and we're also going to tell you about our show sponsor for this month. The crypto space is packed with companies that are expanding, and because of that, they've all ki- they've got all kinds of uh, customer support requests. Our sponsor staff virtual knows that when a company grows fast, the hardest thing to do is keep up with that customer support. And so if you're in the crypto space, you might want to outsource that support. Staff Virtual's got years of expertise in that arena, and they're applying it to the crypto space. So check it out. If you're doing an ICO or any other type of crypto-related company that needs customer support, go to staffvirtual.com, and you can checkify that out.
2: Oh, oh, hey, Mr. Joe Con, before we go on to questions and comments, you know we have all those, those bad crypto stickers, right?
0: Oh, dude, you inspired me because you are taking stickers, or somebody is, and you're sticking them somewhere uh, that they shouldn't be <laughs> and, and taking a picture and posting them, and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be interesting if, uh citizens of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia were to get their hands on Bad Crypto podcast stickers and uh not that we would encourage anybody to ever do anything illegal or to deface, you know, uh, public property, but you know, we have no control where people put these stickers and what if they put them uh, wherever they wanted to by their own volition, took pictures and tagged Bad Crypto with the hashtag Bad Crypto? Wouldn't that be fun to see those pictures start to pop up on Twitter and Instagram in those places?
2: That would be, would be kind of fun. I've had a good time and you know, I normally only put them where there's already stickers around, right? Or there's different polls or different places that people have already kind of put stuff. I don't put them if there's nothing else there, I've not put any anywhere, but I've had fun with it and I've taken a lot of pretty cool photos of those as well. So we're going to give you guys the opportunity to stickify uh the world out there
0: we're going to give them away for free up oh, yep that's all but you know we are going to make an ask of you you have to send a self-addressed stamped envelope okay we're not going to charge you for the stickers but if you send a self-addressed stamped envelope to the address we're going to give you which we will also have in the show notes at badcryptopodcast.com or badco.in forward slash 094 you can see the address there Uh for those of you that you know don't know you you self address an envelope to yourself put a stamp on it and then put that in an envelope that way we can send them back to you and uh, here's the address you're going to send them to bad crypto podcast care of CCP digital and then the address is 10740 nall avenue n a l l avenue number 115 leewood l e a w o o d Kansas, K-S, for those that like to abbreviate states, and the zip code is 66211, and I'm not going to repeat it because that's a mouthful. Um Either hit the, you know, rewind 30 seconds button on your, uh, wherever you're listening to the show, or go to the website and just copy and paste it. So basically, send us your self-addressed stamped envelope, and we will send you back five original, bona fide, certified bad crypto podcast stickers for you to stick and we recommend that you put one on you know something of your own stick it on your laptop so you know when you've got your laptop open you're representing or on your phone or your ipad or your forehead uh, but then with the other ones uh, share the love take a picture of wherever you stick them and then uh, tag us with at bad crypto is our Twitter account right, Mister Travis? Right, yeah, or Instagram
2: and, us? We're Bad Crypto Podcast on Instagram
0: as well, or Instagram or Facebook, uh, and and use the hashtag Bad Crypto. Or should should we hashtag Stay Bad?
2: Hashtag Stay Bad, and not you know what? Tell you what, I'm going to make an executive decision. We'll give you six stickers because we're getting a brand new sticker. So we have one that says the Bad Crypto Podcast. So we'll give you five of those that say Bad Crypto Podcast, and we'll give you one of the ultra rare. Bad coin stickers.
0: <laughs> They're so rare, we haven't even seen them yet. They're so, so rare, we ordered less of them. So we're telling you, citizens of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, to stick it. Let's go to questions.
3: Bad Crypto You got mail.
0: And John writes us via the contact form Hi, Joel and Travis, listener and follower. Y'all stay bad. I've been following and engaging in the crypto space ever since I was introduced by a friend a couple of months ago. Friends tell friends about bad crypto. Now, as someone who has no experience in business or coding, I was wondering if you guys had ideas or resources to become more involved in the space for turning a crypto serious speculator into a crypto serious activist.
2: You know, I know it's it's an interesting question. So becoming an activist or becoming a coder, you have no experience in coding. Uh, and you want to be more into it. You know, I think really a part of it is you just become immersed. You start paying attention to people who are in the space that are interesting to you, that uh, you want to learn from, and maybe you want to emulate. So, you know, one great resource is on Jameson Lop's webpage. I believe it's lop.net. Uh, he has a bunch of resources for uh, people who are trying to learn more about the crypto stuff. And so maybe take a look at that. I believe
0: it is. It's lop.net. Yeah. I wish his name was Greg so he could be Glop.
2: Or like, you know, Frank, then it could be flop. But there's if you go to lop.net/bitcoin.html, there are some amazing resources on there that can lead you down your own rabbit hole to uh, discover you know what you want to uh, what you want to dive into because there's so many different areas you know it's kind of hard to say some people want to do dive into mining, some people want to expl- understand the, the network, the lightning network. some people want to dive into the developer tools and they want to understand security or they maybe they want to do a crypto charity or they want to run a masternode or something on some different crypto. So, there's so many different things that you could do. Maybe you want to be an advanced trader. Uh, so, there's a lot of stuff you can do. And there's a ton, a ton of great, great resources on that as well. And bad crypto is included. Woo-hoo! I just looked. Bad crypto is on there and we're red. Oh, how about That's that? Cool. Yeah. Well, maybe
0: you want to become a YouTube crypto scammer. You know, so um, yeah, don't do that. There's plenty of those out there.
4: Bad crypto void You have one new message.
1: Joel and Travis. This is Catherine in Bangkok, Crypto Granny. I just listened to your latest episode about the crypto community. Great episode. I have a question for you too. What is your definition of success for the Bad Crypto podcast, for your community, where do you want to be in five years? Do you want to be getting a lot of money as speakers at conferences? Do you want to be on CNBC and Bloomberg and be the go-to guys? What do you see as your legacy of the, your crypto community, of leaving it for your kids and your grandkids and all of us? Thank you very much. I love you guys. Been listening to you since the beginning. Thanks. Stay Bad.
0: Crypto Granny, it's always so good to hear from you. Thanks for calling all the way from Bangkok. Of course, episode number 100 is coming up shortly, and we're going to be playing many calls from you, our audience. So the phone number is 708-885-9030. And even if you just call us to stay bad, that would be super duper awesome. But, you know, I think, Travis, we didn't expect the success of the show that we've gotten And we're just kind of letting it unfold before us, right? I don't know if there's a master plan for definitely not for five years. Like, I'm just thinking, what shows do we need to record this week?
2: That's a really interesting point because we just started this because we were talking about it and having fun, really. And whenever we set it up, my business partner was not happy that I was going to be spending all this time talking about crypto. And now my business partner at CCP Digital, he's now the COO of Bad Crypto, helping us (laughs) manage this and... Turn this into some uh, some sensible type of business where we're not overloaded with emails and requests, and we're actually able to be effective. And so, you know, the main thing is is we're just trying to get processes into place to become more efficient and more effective, and to be able to spend our time doing research uh, and asking our audience what you guys want to hear us talk about. We just had a great. Post on the mastermind group, you know, asking if you were a pod, if you were the Bad Crypto podcast producer for a day, what would you like us to talk about? And there were so many great, uh, you know, suggestions in there. So we got some pretty great show ideas that we're going to do some research on and whatnot. So we just want to share great information. We want to have fun along in the process. And, you know. Do good stuff, as Joel likes to say. And you know what? There's a lot of different opportunities and forks in the road that will happen. And uh, we take them all with grace and gratitude because, you know what? It's all fun. And it's an interesting space to be in. And we're, we're glad that uh, what we do is uh, is accepted and appreciated by the crowd. So
0: thanks. There's a bad crypto fork. Mm-hmm.
2: It is. There's lots of forks going on in the space here, bro.
0: Well, and really, you know, we are um, we are getting paid to do our show live on stage. In fact, we're going to be doing it twice at south by southwest we're going to be live and we've got the meetup which by the way i heard from the meetup organizer which if you're going to be at south by badco.in forward slash meetup they've got over 1200 registrations for the bad crypto meetup They
2: they want to meet up with us what that's crazy. I know
0: it is crazy. And uh we are, you know, we're both paid professional speakers and and we've been uh signed on for an event we'll be telling you that's going to happen in uh, late October where we're going to be emceeing the event and uh we're also in touch with a publicist who says that he's going to be placing us on uh, network news soon as commentators you know guest commentators so that's as far as we can see we're just rolling with the punches here you know what i but i
2: promise you guys we will stay bad because none of that none of that stuff really matters what matters is is we're helping the masses understand crypto and there's going to be different channels that we use to help people understand this space we're going to keep bringing you amazing thought leaders we're going to keep bringing you really interesting projects and just helping us all learn and grow in this space because it's a really New space still and a lot of people don't even understand it, so we're just trying to help out. Let's get to the news, Joe Com. Let's start with this. We're gonna bring
0: let's bring them to news. You know what's a fun word to say? Let me guess. Um Liechtenstein. That is, that's exactly um, the word I was thinking.
2: Liechtenstein. We are so dude.
0: connected. We are so in tune. In the, the news, uh, the Liechtenstein Bank is actually on the front lines, the cutting edge of crypto. They have opened up cryptocurrency investment for clients. Imagine that, a bank saying that, We're going to allow you to trade Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin, Ripple, and Ethereum.
2: Yeah. And so basically, they are allowing their clients to invest in cryptos that once they have fully identified and verified, right? And so right now, it seems it's pretty easy. They basically said, okay, anyone that's on Coinbase and and Ripple will add them. That's, you know, top five cryptos. And uh, you know what? There's a lot more other awesome cryptos out there, but it's a great start. For the folks there in Liechtenstein, so we want to give a big shout out to all seventeen Liechtenstein listeners.
0: <laughs> at, at what at what point will um, banks recognize card carrying citizens of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia? Right? He, oh, here's I'm a card carrying member, right? And they're like, oh, well, you're bad, so come on in. We'd like to bank with you.
2: We need to have the bad, the Republic of Bad Cryptopia bank to allow people to uh, you know do cryptocurrency investments, I guess get some financial advisors up in
0: there? Perhaps. <laughs> now, this is this story is mind-boggling. This one's on Tech Republic. Take a guess, Mr. Travis, right, without looking at the number, how much money cryptocurrency miners spent on GPUs last year?
2: Well, I had already looked at the number and it's a, it's a pretty high number. And, and actually, if you look at some of the companies that are providing these, these GPO, these GPU, um, you know, gaming processors, uh, you know, their stocks have increased tremendously, like AMD and Intel and Nvidia and some of these other ones. Uh, they, they, some of them are grow pretty big. Some of them did not grow as much, but, uh, Pretty interesting to take a look at that. So what is that number, Mr. Jocom?
0: That number is massive. And I want you guys, like right now, just, you know, in your imagination, uh, let's have a little contest here. Think uh, and imagine how much was spent on cryptocurrency mining. Okay, you got that number? Uh, whoever's closest to it, you get to pat yourself on the back. They sold about 3 million GPUs for a total spend of, get this, three quarters of a billion dollars. 776 million and that has impacted shortages like people that use gpus for other things pc gaming graphic designers and as the article says even researchers looking for alien life and it's caused secondhand prices to go through the roof so uh, cryptocurrency there's more to crypto than uh, just the buying and selling. Of I
2: would say ones. AR and VR as well, like your virtual reality on your gaming systems. You need to have a really awesome uh, GPU for that. And uh, yeah, so there's all kinds of industries that are vying for this. They are not available, guys, because all of us crypto nerds are out there getting mining equipment.
0: But some people don't need to mine them. Did you know, and we've talked about this previously, that one way that you can get cryptocurrency is via airdrops which is basically free tokens that are sent to your account with sometimes without you even asking for them and there's an article here on crypto that says money can not appear out of nowhere but cryptocurrency can and uh, you guys can read about this um, how to get tokens sent to uh, your wallet
2: yep and that's one thing that's really interesting about that is that you're right they do sometimes just randomly show up i'm like what the heck are these tokens so what i do is if you have your you know your myether wallet or your uh, metamask uh you know open up your ether scan and that'll tell you all your different stuff that's coming in so if you have some ethereum that's stored on one of those wallets and if you look in your tokens received tab there I actually have my ether scan for a couple of different addresses bookmarked so I can just click on them to see. And you'll see randomly there's different coins that sort of pop in there from time to time. And once they're in there, they don't they don't leave there. You have them now. But I've not. I'm, have you received any that were actually worth anything
0: yet? Uh, well, it's funny because I remember when I received 500 Tron. And so for a short time, those were worth, what, 10 cents or so. Mm, those um, got up almost 20
2: cents. So. On at one point, Yeah.
0: Yeah. So there you go. If I had sold them, you know, at the prime, that would have been worth $10. I just, two days ago, I got an airdrop from meds, M E D S. I got 3.66 uh, tokens. I have no idea what it is, but you know, it's, it's always fun when you see them, but you can more proactively find airdrops and ask to be airdropped. So this article, Goes over a lot, shows you, you know, things to do so that you don't get scammed um, and, you know, what you need to get them. So that that's fun. Check that out. The
2: yeah, airdrops and then also those uh, ICO bounties. That's another way to get some free crypto. But this show is not about free crypto. This show is bad. The show is bad. Also, in the news here, this is interesting. So, the hacker who um, hacked into what was the he did the it was the ICOs, the CoinDash. It was like right when we started our show. This is one of the first pieces of news we were talking about. This company, CoinDash, that was running an ICO, and somebody had hacked into their site and they had replaced their legitimate Ethereum address with their own address, and then you know it, it tricked a bunch of people to send about. I don't know, seven point four million dollars at the time, about thirty-seven million dollars today. Forty-three thousand Ethereum's uh, to this particular address, and this hacker returned seventeen million of that uh, stolen Ethereum. So, wow, what a what an altruistic yeah, they, thief! They don't,
0: they don't know why, and apparently, there's still thirteen thousand of the stolen forty-three thousand, which are worth eleven million, um, that are still out there. And so I don't know, maybe he's keeping the profits because Ethereum has <laughs> gone up a bunch, you know, mm-hmm. since this happened. But uh, it is kind of nice to, you know, have at least some reasonably happy news there. That's someone. Uh, someone speaking,
5: nice.
2: mm-hmm.
0: speaking of happy news, you found a Twitter account which um, has interesting news on it. And you want to share that really quickly?
2: Yeah, there's a this is actually somebody on the webs on the mastermind group had mentioned this. Uh, it's called Block Fragments. Blockfragments.com. dot and so you can actually go there, add your email to the list, and they also have a uh, the Twitter account, which is uh, twitter.com dot slash forward slash block fragments. And what happens is, is they do five handpicked links on blockchain technology every day. Send it to your inbox, and because typically if it gets to Coin Desk or Coin Telegraph, by that time it's pretty much already. You know everybody's already heard about it in the most part, so it's gotten popularized. This is stuff that uh, that hits before. Good stuff. Go check it out. That's something that you like. Want to be uh, hear about that, Mister
0: Joelcom. There's so much news, Mister Travis. Right, but we need to get to our feature. So let's bounce. <laughs> I see. Uh oh's. They're a thing. <laughs> uh oh. Well, some of them are uh uh-oh, like you don't know until they go and you see if they're actually able to fulfill, first of all, on doing their raise successfully or uh, ICOing successfully and then whether or not they execute on the plan.
2: Yeah. So, you know, we've had a lot of conversations with ICOs on the show. This is not an ICO spotlight. This is us. You know, talking about what makes a successful ICO. There's a a lot of conversations out there about what makes a successful ICO. Uh, we're going to share some of the things that we look at and, uh, when we're trying to figure out which one's which. And if you did listen to our Ian Bellina episode badco.in forward slash zero eight nine, you know, he's been a big proponent of the ICOs for a long time and. He actually made some pretty substantial wealth in the past year by picking the right ones. Now, not every ICO is going to be a winner. And, uh, in fact, you're kind of curious about which ones are going to be a winner because nobody really knows.
0: Uh, You know, I, I want to toss a little comment in here because there's some people that are like, eh, we don't like the ICO spotlights. All right, well, that's why we have them labeled separately and are super clear. You know, you see Bad Crypto Podcast episode number, blah, blah, blah. And then there's ICO spotlight number, blah, blah, blah. And typically what we do on average is three regular episodes a week and then one ICO spotlight. Sometimes there's an extra episode and occasionally an ICO slips into a regular show. But for the most part, that's how we roll. And uh, some people don't like, you know, listening to the ICO spotlights. They don't like the fact that they're sponsored or they just they're not interested in, you know, what others are doing in the blockchain space. And that's fine. Uh, just skip by those if you're not interested in them. Personally, Travis and I find them fascinating because, again, we're not all about trading or the price of Bitcoin. We're about the technology. And the ICO spotlights are the opportunity to put the spotlight on those that intend to do some pretty cool disruptive stuff using this technology.
2: No, I'm a marketing technologist, Joel. You're a marketing and a futurist. You like the future of technology. You like to see how things evolve. I do as well, right? And we did have Jeremy Epstein on not long ago when we were talking about the blockchain marketing technology landscape. And he's recently updated that. And you can see there's all kinds of companies that are fulfilling all kinds of different roles I uh, just had Q1 the landscape pop up and there's a whole bunch of new areas that are being filled up by a lot of really cool companies. And, and so, yeah, we like to interview them. We like to talk about them. We like to understand what problem they're solving, why they chose blockchain. And again, that's a bonus. If we do those ICO episodes, those ICO spotlights, that's a bonus episode. And if we actually at this point, if we weren't doing an ICO spotlight, we probably only do one episode a week or so, but we try to churn out content for you guys. So. Four episodes a week is what you get, sometimes more,
0: but rarely less. Yeah. So when we do these ICO spotlights, there's four things that we usually cover for each ICO, the four T's, which are the tech. timeline, the team, and the tokenomics. So what we thought we would do here is expand a little bit on some of the things that we and others look for when evaluating an ICO and then providing you with a list of resources. And you can actually go to the uh, show notes for this at badcryptopodcast.com, badco.in forward slash 094, and you'll have links to all those resources. So there's a a pretty extensive list here. So let's go ahead and just jump into these. And uh, Travis, why don't you kick with the first one,
2: there's a couple of things you want to consider. For one, you know, I don't know which one's first, which one's not first, but it's really important to know if if, if a company that you're working with is is uh, if they actually have a prototype. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that's not the first one that's on the list, but that's so important because Ian Bellini even said this. He said, "Look, of all the research I've done of the top performing ICOs, they were ones that had a prototype ready." right out of the gates they maybe it's it's not it's a minimal viable product it's not you know maybe it's not even beta yet but there's still they have something and it's working and they can expand on it from there and that's really important to know if they have that prototype
0: and, and through the magic of cut and paste it now is first in the show notes i mean it's just amazing how that happens so that is- so there it is uh, the next thing you want to do is see if they have a published white paper and, you know, we've heard from uh, Ronnie Moes and others say, look, just having a white paper isn't enough. And he's right because you can spend money on a beautiful white paper, have it professionally written and laid out and designed. That doesn't mean on its own that it's, uh, you know, it's a solid ICO. It just means they have a pretty white paper. You you know, we've seen white papers that aren't nearly as pretty that have more compelling projects. But in this case, you want to see, do they at least have a white paper? and And can you understand, understand it because a white paper should make sense to the average person you know like us you know we we try to speak as as we think about this stuff we're not pointy heads and we don't want to talk over anybody's head because well a we can't do it um, and b we wouldn't want to so you know do they have a white paper and is it just a bunch of fluffy language or is it something that makes sense
2: Yep, and then next, I would be curious about you know we talk about those four T's, but you know because the timeline because I think the roadmap really is an important aspect of any of these technology things. Do they have a detailed you know development roadmap? Does it have a breakdown of all the appropriate financials along the way? Because this is a real business. Are they running the business? You know, uh, as a business, are they have they do they have experience already of running business? You know, some of those things are interesting to think about, but I I like to know about a roadmap and have they already checked off a few uh, things on their roadmap or is it just kind of pie in the sky wishing this at this point?
0: Mm -hmm. And what about their team? Is it strong? Do do the people on their team have a history of work in this particular industry? In other words, do they know what they're doing? Uh, You know, are their advisors that they have on the team? Are they strong? Do they have a background, you know, in this particular niche or market? And so team matters.
2: Team definitely matters. And then, you know, a lot of the things we still, if we're going to, you know, go back and talk about tech, that's one thing I did not mention is, you know, what blockchain is it using? Is it building its own blockchain? Uh, is it uh, is it an open public blockchain that they're using? Is their code published? Can you go look at their GitHub repository and go and check and see how active uh, they are? Because, you know, that's, it, you know, that's one of those things too, is like knowing of, of, of which blockchain it is and and then knowing if the code is published and then being able to go to that GitHub repository and and read through it. You may not, even be an expert in the code but just go and look do they have code when was the last time that they uh, had had a recent commit when w- do they do they have any activity on their repository at all and so those are things that let you know that if it's actually gaining some momentum potentially
0: i think most importantly out of all the questions that we're going to ask why are they doing this right cuz there's a lot of ICOs that don't need to be tokenized and they're nothing more than cash grabs because token sales are so hot right now and it's an apparently easy way to you know to raise some money even if it's just a million dollars companies can raise money with an ICO much faster and easier Than they can with traditional, you know, capital raising. So ask yourself, what is their why? What is what is the problem that they're trying to solve that the token sale is the reason for doing this? And if their why is well, we just want to raise money, then that could be a red flag.
2: Yeah, sometimes that is their why. Well, we're looking to make some cash money because we broke. I I would also say this. I would combine a couple of here because there are different categories in which. You know these types of companies are are in, right? Uh, some of them are going to be a platform type of a business where they literally are, you know, in the process of of building out a platform that um, other companies are going to be in, they're going to build on, like in Ethereum, right? They allow smart contracts to be built on their platform. I think that's pretty handy. But there's other sectors as well out there. There's finance sectors. There's currencies. There's Internet of Things, AI you know, security tokens, trading tokens, maybe it's a social media token or it's an information token, right? Maybe it, it pertains to data and there's all different types of, you know, we have platforms, we have decentralized apps and currencies and protocols and whatnot. So there's a lot of kind of things to consider between the type and the sector. And there's also categories in which those, those companies can go in as well. So there's not one size fits all. Now, I know that goes back to the conversation that folks have had about the ICO spotlights. It's like, look, there are at least 50 sectors that are being disrupted by these blockchains. And then when you start figuring about each individual category of tools, there are so many tools and so many companies that are going to be disrupted in industries and sectors that are being disrupted by blockchain. That's why we talked to several different ones in various different types because they are interesting to us. Right. So mentioning that now, Do you have the first mover advantage in that category? If there's already three or four blockchain businesses in that particular category and you're trying to come in, man, you better have a unique proposition on that because if not... You know, the first mover typically gets a, a pretty good heads up, and they get a nice little, uh, a nice get a nice little leap forward if they're the first mover. If you're trying to catch up to them, in some cases that that's never going to happen. So at least be original.
0: Yeah, I mean, Google wasn't a first mover in you know in search engines. In fact, they were kind of a last mover, and and they've dominated. So having a first mover advantage certainly can be helpful. Um, and, and you want to check out the website. Does it exist? Is does it have complete information? On it, or is it just kind of, you know, a little rinky dink like the kids, you know, the neighbor next door put it up? I like the ICO websites that have lots of tabs because lots of tabs means lots of information. I want to see the technology. I want to see the team. I want to see the white paper. I want to see information about the token. You know, I want to see the community tabs. I want to see case studies. I'd love to see a prototype if that's active. And so, very much like white paper, just having a comprehensive website doesn't mean it's legitimate but it sure lends to that legitimacy it,
2: it sure does and you know also you want to take a look in their community right now that's one thing that uh, you know it's not part of the 4t's but it really should be because community is really really important like how maybe it's the the fifth t is telegram or twitter like how right. How big are those for you guys? Because social media is important and and how your team is connecting with the community is important. And if somebody sends me over their Telegram uh, channel and it has like 14 people in it, I mean, how are they going to have enough, you know, movement in their, you know, ICO to even complete their ICO? And if it got on exchanges... They don't really have an audience to to be market movers, and so you know understanding what their community is like can be pretty helpful. And keep in mind, it's not just Telegram; it's their Twitter, it's their Reddit page, it's their Bitcoin talk thread. It's maybe they have a Discord. What's what's the action like over on their website, on their blog? You know, well, you, you know, Telegram to
0: to does seem to be the uh, the main communication source of choice for ICOs. And and Travis, as I'm looking through. My telegram, I've joined just about every, uh, token that we have featured on, um, on bad crypto. Mm-hmm. And for example, just looking through here to give you an idea. Now, if, if they're new and they haven't ICOed yet, I'm fine with them being, you know, under a thousand uh, members at that point. But you can, as it progresses and gets into the ICO and post ICO, you could really see how much excitement there is. Based on the number of people, like I'm looking, I'm just going to list a few of them. Ship Chain, which you and I are advisors on and recently featured on the show, over 36,000 members. Horizon State, which was on the show and had a successful ICO, uh, almost 4,600 members. Uh, Electronium, company,
2: Electronium's got 46,000
0: yeah. over here. Yeah. yeah. Here's the FCFL that was recently on the show and, and have not yet finished their ICO, 24,000 for that one. Uh expertise that was on the show over 17,000 Telcoin, almost 20,000. So, you know, these are things that I look for and you you can't use Telegram as an, you know, a single predictor of how well uh, a token is going to do, but it doesn't hurt to see a lot of activity.
2: That is absolutely true. I was looking at Dragon Chain has about 12,000 and there's Polymath has 51,000. It's kind of interesting. Verge has about 27,000. And uh, pretty, pretty peculiar to take a look at these and see how big their communities are growing. And because that can kind of give you a, a an idea of how active their community is. And you can look at it and see if are people talking about it? are people excited about it? What questions are they asking? You want to do research into that? I think it's
0: that's very important stuff. And speak, speaking of Telegram, uh, if you guys aren't in the Bad Crypto one, why not? 3,378 members as of now, and we're not an ICO. Badco.in forward slash Telegram. Come and join our conversation.
2: Come and join the conversation for sure. Now, another thing is, is is that we want to talk a little bit about the tokenomics, right? I want to know what is what does your token do? Why is it needed in the first place? and when we start talking about that about the tokenomics and what's going on with that it's like you know how many are you going to have total what's the supply and uh the total market cap of some of these coins what does it look like it might be like if they're if they're trying to raise you know 50 million dollars how many coins are they trying to raise how many are they selling with if they're trying to raise 50 million dollars cuz that's going to give you an idea of how you're going to know how much per token, and then you're going to be able to do the math, and then see, okay, well they have this many outstanding tokens times this price, then this is what the market cap's going to be. And sometimes they're like, yeah, we want to sell, you know, five dollars a token, and we want to sell five 500- hundred million of them. And you're like, really? Come on. What are you, are you serious? You're going to like, that? just the numbers don't work. Like maybe if you're, maybe if you're telegram and you're trying to do your ICO, like they've raised a billion dollars or whatever for their ICO, but that's not the norm. A lot of these companies are raising 20 to 50, maybe a hundred million dollars max. And that's their, their market cap until they get on some exchanges.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and you also want to, you know, take a look at how are the tokens allocated? How much are they giving to their team? How much is being distributed during the ICO? How much is for marketing? Some ICOs are very team heavy. It's like, okay, why are you guys hoarding so much of this? Right. And some of them are the team has a a reasonable amount, whatever reasonable it might be. And they're distributing a lot more of them. Uh, Also, you can ask how much has the company raised in private sales? Pre ICO, you know, in the United States, you have to be a qualified investor in order to contribute pre ICO, and often that's at least twenty five thousand dollars. And just using ShipChain again, because it's the first one that comes to mind. They were going to do an ICO publicly, but they raised thirty million privately before that happened, and so they didn't have a public ICO.
2: Yep, and uh, and so again, you know, looking back into that, whether they're doing an ICO. How much are they trying to raise? How much are those tokens a, a pop? Because typically, it seems like it seems like the best gains uh, historically have been from those ICOs that were priced under ten cents during the ICO. And if you can get in and and buy, and they're under ten cents, and they're maybe seven cents or five cents, and then I mean, I I think the Electronium the electricity was, was a penny. And Ooh. so I I put like seven or 10 ether into that to get them at a penny a pop. And then I think I sold them when they were around 11 cents a piece. It's so all nice like, gains, was, Mr. Travis, sweet right? We gains. So, you know, the trick is, is that you're not going to win all of them. A lot of these ICOs are not going to be successful. The trick is, is to find ones that meet your criteria. And we're not here to tell you This is the right way, the wrong way, or whatever to view view an ICO. These are some helpful tips. We actually have some really, really strong links, some ICO resources, some some tools and, and some websites to do research on ICOs, and also a few pieces of content around is the ICO a scam, what are some mistakes people made during ICOs, what are some steps, you know, to determine if an ICO startup is credible or not? What are some some signs of an ICO scam? Again, we're just trying to, you know, arm you guys with information to help you make better, clearer decisions in this crypto space.
0: And you can find all those links on the website at badcryptopodcast.com or for the shortcut, go to badco.in forward slash 094. Which just happens to be the episode number. And of course, we want to encourage you to do your own research. Don't, you know, we don't recommend that you just go onto a telegram or a message board or Reddit and, and, you know, just because somebody says this is going to the moon that you, you go buy it. Put some time in to do some research. Don't believe the hype and definitely don't go to YouTube. For recommendations, I am not a uh, a YouTube advisor, Mister Travis. Right?
2: I am not a fan of YouTube at all right now. Actually, Mister uh, jocom
0: we're pretty unhappy with YouTube. So DYOR, do your own research, uh, and you know, figure out what's right for you. And understand that whenever you invest in cryptocurrency, you could lose it all. It could go to zero. You could have nothing left, and you'd be eating mac and cheese and ramen noodles. Don't
2: don't believe the hype. <laughs>
0: Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Mr. Travis Wright and citizens of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, the finest nation and republic in all of the crypto world. And maybe we just need to have our own island and um, and call it Bad Cryptopia and form our own sovereign nation.
2: Well, we could do that and we could all stay bad.
0: and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. I see O-O-O's. They're a thing. <coughs> Goodness. That's a, that's a perfect start to it right there. Okay.
1: Who's bad?
0: They say variety is the spice of life. And the blockchain projects that are soon coming to market intend to solve problems on many fronts. From securing who inherits your digital assets to controlling your own football league on the blockchain, new problems mean new solutions. We've got three companies that have stories to tell, and it's going to get spicy in here, because variety. Come along for the ride as we hear those stories on this sponsored ICO Spotlight Edition of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five,
1: four, three, two, one, two,
0: Who's bad? Welcome, friends, to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious and the crypto serious, and, and the many other 31 flavors of crypto uh, variety because crypto ICOs this is the crypto ICOs with a a crypto inside crypto is as well as oh, this is like christmas time in the city it depends on what your definition of is 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 yeah i'll say that uh this I- no not isis <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think of a joke that wouldn't be seriously offensive here, and I can't. So I guess it's true that once you go bad, you're uh, you're never sad. Heard in over 190 countries around the world. We're shooting for 300, but the problem is, is there aren't that many countries.
2: Well, we also listen to in a few counties on Mars and a couple provinces on Jupiter.
0: And on the not planet Pluto.
2: Yes, yeah, but there's only one person there, so we don't, we don't really count them. It's actually not really a person. It's more of an entity It's a dog. <laughs> so this episode, I'm really excited about this one, Mr. Joel com. there' are some there are there are you know, two of the ICO spotlights are really awesome that are really cool and fun, and the other one kind of is this, is a crypto highlight where we're actually you know kind of a sad thing, but it's it's a necessary thing because you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but people do die. And what happens to all of our digital stuff when we're dead? There's no way to inherit it or or to gift it to anyone effectively.
0: Yeah, and so DigiPulse is going to attempt to solve that problem with their blockchain and the two fun ones that we're going to talk about. One of them is going to send us on a Pokemon-style treasure hunt, only you're going to find cryptos out in the real world using augmented reality. And I know as a football fan, you're super pumped about the fan-controlled football league.
2: Yeah, I mean, imagine this. With your mobile device, being able to pick the plays that are actually played on the field Tech Bowl style. Right. And that's that's what's that's what happens. You can literally with with the fan controlled football league, you are in control. Like I think it's if you're in the audience at the game or even if you're in the crowd at home watching the game through the arena football league, they actually had a team that they've tested this out. The technology already works and now they're rolling it out uh, on a wider scale to the crypto space. And I think that's a fun, fun one.
0: You guys are going to dig all three of these. And full disclosure, as always, this is a sponsored episode. Now, this isn't like the, um you know, like Zilla or uh, Staff Virtual that, you know, has the quick little sponsorship at the front of the show. These are actually... Uh, companies that we've had conversations with that want to be on the show. And uh, a lot of them we say no to. They're just, they're not a good fit. Either, uh, the, the content that they're bringing to the world isn't something that's a good fit for the show, or we just don't see real value in it. And, but those that we do think are interesting, we say, great. We'd love to have you on the show. It's a sponsorship. And so you have to pay us in order to have the slot. So all of the interviews that you're going to hear are sponsored interviews where bad crypto is being compensated for the uh, the interview time that they're going to have. And uh, we are not making any recommendations for any of the tokens or coins or currencies that you hear about on the show, not just this ICO spotlight, but ever, uh, because we are not financial advisors.
2: Yeah, and you know what thing that's that's interesting about the whole process is, you know, my team at CCP Digital spends hours and hours going through these ICOs and vetting them. We have a process to go through to look into them, so it's pretty time uh, consuming to go through and vet a lot of these different ICOs. So we want to make sure we're only bringing you the best ones and their time's not free so they they we need to to have uh, some compensation to help you know
0: that whole process right so it, it keeps the lights on here because the otherwise the power goes
2: and luckily uh the lights are still on mr joke
0: <laughs> and we're back so uh let's get to this week's ico spotlight here we go are you ready for some football well i i I don't know mama always said foosball's the devil (laughs) not foosball football (laughs) bobby boucher uh this is really interesting you know sports i don't know what part of the economy sporting events account for but i know it's huge and i know that Football, as we know it in America. I know in the rest of the world, they know football is that silly soccer game. Oh, snap. But here in the United States of America, football is a different game. And we are actually encountering our first ICO that is sports related. Well, football related, Mr. Travis, right?
2: That is true. This is called the Fan Controlled Football League. So imagine this. Imagine using your mobile device and you're the offensive coordinator. You are the defensive coordinator. You control when the coach is hired or fired. This to me seems like you're bringing fantasy sports into real sports in something
0: like this. If this could be successful, this could be epic. Let's talk about this. The website is fcfl.io and we have with us the CEO and co-founder of the fan controlled football league Mr. Sorab Faroudi welcome to Bad Crypto
3: Thanks guys appreciate you having me Omaha <laughs> Omaha uh, I'm yeah. here in Denver
0: so that's what you know we have to uh, well we have to do that Anyway tell us about the whole fantasy football realm
3: and how big this thing is Fantasy football has been growing obviously like you know crazy of the fantasy sports in general um, you know, there's estimates in North America of about 60 million people uh, that are playing fantasy football. And that doesn't account for, you know, fantasy baseball and basketball and all the other sports out there. So we looked at this as an idea uh, that we've actually been working on uh, for the past three years now. We really look at this as kind of the future of sport being interactive for fans, looking at the growth of fantasy sports and gaming and esports. We just felt it was time to kind of give fans an opportunity to participate as they always have wanted to, right? if you're a sports fan, you yell at the television, you feel like you want to have a say and kind of an innate response as a passionate sports fan. So this is one of those ideas that everybody's had, but nobody's ever acted on. And we said, you know what, let's go, let's go give it a try. And you know, there there could be no better time to try
2: to pull something off like this with the state of the NFL and how the ratings of the NFL have dropped. And then the whole protesting stuff that's going on within the league, I want to talk about this. You actually have already ran a pilot. You already have the technology built. You started building this thing back in 2015, and you've invested a couple million dollars and piloted a fan-controlled team already. How did that go?
3: Yeah, look, I, I think people look at this at face value. It's a pretty crazy idea, and I think that's why we wanted to go out and prove it before uh, we decided to kind of take it to the league level. So we uh, we bought a, a new franchise in the Indoor Football League, which is a ten-team league in the Midwest and Pacific Northwest. For football fans out there, Kurt Warner's old team, the Iowa Barnstormers, actually plays in that league. So we yeah, got I'm to go to Kansas City. I think, yeah, I think
2: we have a team as well. At least we have
3: had a team. I don't know if we have one currently. Yeah, there were a couple teams in Kansas City, not not when we played, but yeah, there there were. So. Our idea from out of the gate was to get a new franchise and then really let fans make the decisions as they would being an owner and general manager and then coach. So fans actually picked the city. So we ended up in Salt Lake City. Uh, we had five different markets. I got narrowed down to Oklahoma City and Salt Lake. We ended up in Salt Lake. Fans named our team the Screaming Eagles, uh, although it was pretty close second, uh, was uh, the Teamie McTeam McTeamface and the Stormy Mormon. Uh, so we... Fans hired our coach. Fans designed our logo. You know, we live streamed interviews for the coach uh, and fans got to pick who they wanted. Um, And then uh, we live streamed tryouts and practices and fans got to pick the players that made the roster and and pick the starting lineups. And then, you know, I think the real fun started when we kind of created this real life version of Madden slash tech mobile. We had a mobile app that worked both inside and outside the arena. We actually also had a partnership with Twitch and an integration into Twitch chat, and you could call the plays in real time as a fan, and uh, every play that got called, the majority ruled, and that's what we would run on the field.
0: Fans can be highly influential to sports. In fact, Mr. Travis Wright, you know, we mentioned Kansas City um, being uh, in this thing, and didn't you kind of influenced a little something there in the, the NFL, didn't yeah. you? Yeah,
2: you know, actually, yeah, that... that that's true. Back in 2012, I don't think any of our listeners actually have ever heard this story. Back in 2012, uh, I got a—I I was upset with the Chiefs, right, because they were like 20, 30 million dollars under the salary cap again for like the f- third or fourth, fifth year in a row. And I tweeted out to them. I said, you know, I'm not much of a Chiefs fan anymore. The yearly 30 million dollars under the salary cap is BS, and greedy owners can FO <laughs> CC the NFL, right? So I CC at NFL. Three minutes later, the Chiefs messaged me back and told me. It was my choice to be a fan, get my facts straight, and CC, get a clue. And and I was like, whoa. And so that one moment turned into a Twitter sort of a storm, which then we ended up growing a community around this sort of, you know, save our chiefs. Like, we didn't like the ownership uh, and who the general manager was and, and the leaders. And we literally created this whole deal over the course of the whole season we were flying uh, banners over arrowhead we literally took to the community and facilitated some change and if you want to learn more about that you can literally just google travis wright kansas city chiefs that whole story will pop out but fans right now in the nfl it really doesn't matter if fans come to the game or not because they're getting so much money off of these nfl contracts these tv deals that the fans have kind of been marginalized So I love what you're doing here, guys, with this bringing the fan and immersing the fan into these into these games. And one thing that really struck me is that you already have a prototype and your team is pretty phenomenal. So I was looking through your team. If you would maybe talk to your team and talk about your advisors, because you have people who have worked for the NFL you have people, the dude who ran mobile for NFL, the, the dude for, who ran entertainment for Coca-Cola, the former COO of the 49ers. You got Gallia. She's the co-founder of Bancor. So you just got, you know, the guy from one of the,
0: the CMOs of FanDuel. So you just have a pretty amazing team. Well, now they don't talk about it, Travis, because you just you Yeah, just I was get. just blown away. I was
3: like, wow, they got a lot of great people here. Thank you. We've got a great founding team. Our exec team is made up of a bunch of serial entrepreneurs that have, you know, raised tens of millions of dollars, had a couple of successful exits. One of our co-founders, Ray Austin, played at the University of Tennessee with Peyton Manning, was drafted into the league and played five years for the Jets and the Bears. And then, yeah, our, our investor and advisor list, like I said, I think this idea resonates with people. It even resonates with, with executives that have done this at the highest level in, in sports and entertainment, right? So as you mentioned, Andy Dolich, former CEO of the 49ers, Mark Irates, former chief marketing officer of FanDuel, um, Manish Jha who was head of mobile at the NFL and actually was at ESPN before that, ran mobile at uh, ESPN. We're actually going to be announcing uh, very shortly a new advisor that's coming over from uh, Riot Games. So he's Ariel Horn, the head of global content, eSports content at uh, at Riot. He's going to be joining the advisory board. So like I said, we're, we're trying to really kind of bring together the worlds of eSports, fantasy, and traditional sports. And we've got people in all of those sectors interested and excited about what we're doing a lot of those guys are actually investors in the business as well and have been with us, not just for this kind of, you know, ICO and uh, token sale that we're doing, but have been with us since, you know, the Screaming Eagles over the last couple of years, helping us really build and shape this as uh, as we go to market.
0: So, Rob, you've got a token that's going to fuel this uh, this game is because is, that's what it is. It's called a fan token. Explain how this works within the fantasy football league.
3: The fan token itself is going to be kind of the unit of power in the league. So the more tokens that a fan has, and you can also, you know, so you can buy them obviously in in the token sale. We'll also be uh, reserving uh, 20% of those to be distributed through the app uh, as in-game rewards. So the idea is the more you own and the more you earn, you'll move up the leaderboards for your team. It's going to be an eight-team league. So as a fan, you'll pick a team. And the higher up you are in kind of the leaderboard for your team, the more influence you're going to have the more voting power you're going to have the more access you're going to have uh you know opportunities for unique fan experiences coming to games and things like that so we're trying to gamify the experience of being a fan uh and the the people that put in you know more work and more effort and, and spend more time and are more passionate are going to naturally uh move up to the the, the leaderboards to Participate. Um, The other thing we're doing, we're putting a a million dollar prize purse for not only the players of the winning team, but also the winning fans. So the idea is when you win that championship game, you know, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. When we won our three Super Bowls back in the 90s, sure, I was ecstatic because I was a fan, but I didn't really get to share in it any other way than just kind of passively participating. This is an active participation for fans, and they're going to actually share in that prize pool uh, if their team wins the championship. So we're trying to kind of combine all of those elements to really kind of let fans and players share in something and and have an experience that, uh, you know, I think hasn't been done before. Yeah, that's one of the things to me about
2: sports ball. This is what I call it now. It's like I have used to be a big fan in all these different sports. But then over time, I was like, you know, all this does is take money out of my pocket. I'm always angry at the end of the year because I'm a Chiefs fan because we never win. Right. It's like this is an emotional drain and it's a financial drain. I'm like, where's my reward? And so knowing that I could and then also, you know, I've been on all these message forums through the years. I've been on this one message board, Chiefs Planet, for since two thousand three, and it's just been so fun commiserating with all these different fans. And everybody seems to think that they're a better offensive coordinator or coach
3: than the coach, right? And <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Well, look, and that's what, what we get to. We get to track that. So one of the other things tying into kind of fantasy, uh, as you call plays, uh, let's say. So so last year. Uh, in our pilot program, we had uh, uh, you cho- chose between between four diagrammed plays. Um, so if your play, the one that you picked, got run uh, called on the field, uh, let's say it's a toss right, and we gained six yards, you would gain six yards on your rushing profile. So we actually had fan leaderboards on, based on the stats that you accumulated. Right at the end of the game, we had MVP fan MVPs. Uh, at the end of the season, we knew who had the most touchdowns, who had the most passing and rushing yards. And then actually on Twitch, uh, when we were streaming the games live. The ticker on the bottom of the screen which normally has player stats actually had fan stats so it would have fan username we had a top 10 leaderboard that would scroll across for passing yards and rushing yards and touchdowns so the idea is you know this is a fan first league Uh, the quality of football on the field is going to be incredibly high level we sent two guys to the canadian football league and one guy got an nfl tryout from our team in salt lake so this is high quality you know just it's really really great football but the idea is is really kind of immersive experience for for fans and, uh, and a fan first. Yeah, this reminds me
2: of one of my favorite things ever in a bar to do. There's these in some, uh, I think it was called the Play Network or something like that. But you could literally, and this was this is like maybe twenty years ago. They had these little these little pads at the uh, now they've evolved them, but the, but you were able to actually pick. Is this going to be a run? Is this going to be a pass? Is this going to be uh, to the right or to the left? And you could pick that, and you were competing against everybody else in the bar just by predicting. That was so fun i love I love being able to do that before we move on to the other parts of it. let's maybe Joel, you have some questions about maybe the token
0: and how how that all works. I do have questions about the token, Mr. Travis, Perfect. right. How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> we talked about how the token works what what I want to know is um the i c o itself like people have to get the token, so talk a little bit about that. how do they get sure. the fuel oh, for yeah. this?
3: Yep. So we actually in December, we had, a, uh, our first uh, move into this on the token sale side. So we were the first token, uh, ever offered on Indiegogo's new, uh, ICO platform. So ICO.indiegogo.com. Uh, we raised $5.2 million in 10 days, which our target was 5 million. Um, so we hit that, uh, you know, just right before the holidays. Um, and we're now in our private pre-sale. So we're, uh, we're accepting, uh, you know, private pre-sale. We're going out and talking to, you know, funds and, Strategic investors and, uh, you know, really this has been for us last year was it was a worldwide phenomenon. I mean, we literally had people engaging from hundred different countries. Some of our diehard fans are actually international fans, not just uh, North American fans. Um, so, you know, we believe this kind of spans the globe. And, um, and so for our, our public sale, uh, the, uh, the token sale is going to start, uh, in, in April between now and then, uh, we're, we're, we focused on, uh, our, our private free sale and we've got a couple of big uh, announcements coming. Um actually I'll, uh, I'll I'll give one of them right now which we haven't uh released yet which is uh, we have a multi-year broadcast deal with Twitch. So we're actually going to be building the fan-controlled football league uh in partnership with Twitch. It's going to be integrated into the Twitch platform and it's really kind of going to be the first traditional sports league uh that is built into the fabric of Twitch itself uh, like a video game. So um, we're, we're really excited about that partnership. I think it's going to, at the end of the day, you know, sports live and die by eyeballs. And uh, we have an opportunity to, to hit, you know, Twitch's 100 million plus uh, uniques a month uh, that are uh, interested in watching video and, and, and interacting with uh, with sports and, and gaming. So uh, we're really excited about that partnership. That's beautiful. I have one final question just
2: around the token itself. Like how many total tokens are there going to be?
3: And then maybe how many
2: of those tokens are going to be sold during the ICO?
3: So we've got a, we're going to do a one cent token uh, and our, our hard cap is 25 million. So uh, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be selling 40% of the tokens kind of in the, in the pre-sale and public sale. And then there's about 6 billion total tokens that, that are going to be, created. The other 60%, we've got different reserves, three buckets of 20% each. 20% is reserved to be distributed through the app. 20% is reserved in a marketing fund and partnership fund. So we can go out and and bring uh, more people and more companies uh, into the the fan-controlled football league. And then the other 20% is set aside for founders, advisors, and new hires. And those actually invest over three years which I think is pretty different than most uh, of the ITOs out there which are you know vesting over 6 months or so. Mm-hmm. So we're incredibly committed to to this and uh you know we believe the future of sports is interactive. One of the other things I'd love to mention is we don't we're not just looking at football. Like we we're building a platform for for interactive sports. Uh we we're looking at fan controlled baseball, fan controlled cricket, uh eventually the other football, right? So the idea is let's let's prove this at a league level uh with a sport we're all passionate about and we love uh, in american football um, but uh, really this is about creating kind of the we call it the fan access network as we call it the fan token so it's the fan access network and, and this is an opportunity to just build interactive sports for the future
0: and pretty soon fan controlled crypto you know because that's a that's a <laughs> sport as well uh so rob ceo and co-founder of the fan controlled football league the website fcfl.io the future of sports is fan-controlled, if these fellas have it their way. The white paper is there, all about the ICO. And I'm guessing, Sorab, that telegram, is that your uh, your feature, your, your favorite way for people to connect with you?
3: Yeah, at, at Saurabh, S-O-H-R-O-B-F. Uh, I'm on there 24-7. Uh, wake me up in the middle of the night. I'll be happy to talk to you about fan-controlled sports. And uh, we are going to be doing also a, a big uh, $500,000 Fan token giveaway uh, and referral program, which is going to get started as well. So uh, we we're, look—we're building a—we're building a sports league. We want as many fans as possible, so we want as, as many people out there to participate. And uh, we're excited to to bring this to everybody.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks again for joining us, and good luck. Thanks, guys. The Bad Crypto Podcast. You know, Travis. Sometimes on the ICO Spotlight, we've got some some teams on here that have completed their ICO. And so this is actually an inside crypto segment of the ICO Spotlight Show within the bad crypto universe. It's kind of inception-y.
2: It does seem very inception-y, but you know what? There's a lot of great projects out there that people are curious about and they want to be on the show too. So you know what? Let's have some great conversations with people doing great stuff.
0: This one is particularly fascinating. We've got two members of the DigiPulse team with us. DGPT is the symbol of the token that's available out there. And these guys have created the world's first blockchain-based digital crypto inheritance system to make sure that if you've got digital assets or a crypto wallet, that you have control over who inherits your assets In case of your untimely demise or timely demise, it might be time. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's not time, but whenever it is, you want to make sure it gets where it's going. Well, if you die, then it's at your time. Time to (laughs) tick tock. Uh, But right now it's time to introduce the two gentlemen, the CEO of DigiPulse, Norm Quillis, and the CTO, Dimitri Dementiev Dedilis, or as uh, he likes to be known, D3. And coming to us all the way from Latvia. Welcome, gentlemen, to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Hey, guys. Hello there. Thanks for having us. Yeah, from all the way in the other side of the world. And I'm curious, just because Travis and I have never been, Latvia is surrounded by what other countries?
5: So it's a Baltic state. It's surrounded by Estonia, Lithuania, Belarus, and Russia.
0: And it's a beautiful part of the world, isn't it?
5: Oh, yeah. Come check it out.
0: Well, you know, we get the right crypto event over there, and Travis and I would enjoy that. So you guys are doing a project that we've not seen anyone else tackle, and I know there's a story behind this, and I think it begins with you, Dimitri. So what's the why behind
4: DigiPulse? So the idea... Came on one early morning when I was working my previous startup doing extra hours to release the product on time. And one day when I was traveling to work, I almost collapsed on my daily commute. So at that point, I started to think about all the digital assets I have, which might not ever get delivered to the person who used them, basically all my family and friends. So yeah, that was the beginning, beginning.
3: Mm.
2: You know, that's one of those things that I've often thought about as well. I have two young kids and it's like, you know, what happens if I pass away? What am I going to do with these $47 worth of crypto that I have? I want to make sure they get that. I mean, it's almost $50, so they need to make sure they get that. And this is a big problem, right? Because we want to be very secure with our private keys. We don't want to let people know where they are. We don't want to let people know what's up with that. And so how is it that you guys are able to accomplish and solve this big problem?
5: I just wanted to tell you one thing straight away, that it's $50 now. But what happens when your kids grow up? It'll be about $80, probably.
4: (laughs) But he jests. (laughs) Okay, so uh, from a technical point of view, that's quite simple, actually. The security of this whole service is solely... Basically, the whole encryption happens on the user's computer in the browser. So any file which is intended to be shared with the inheritors is being encrypted client side, uploaded, complete gibberish to our servers, then it distributed across the storage provider servers. So that's the way how it works. Afterwards, the person can gain access by recreating the encryption key which was used initially to encrypt the files. That's the shortest version I can update.
5: The thing is that we ourselves as a service cannot access anything that the user has chosen to store on our blockchain. So it's not seen by our service. It's simply from the user itself to the recipient afterwards. We're just the middleman who helps these files get to the other side.
0: How does that actually work? Let's say my family doesn't even know that I've got this crypto. Explain the whole process.
4: OK, so the process is that besides uploading the files, choosing the encryption key and setting up the contact information for the inheritor, the person also selects the activity checkup integrations. Basically, it ranges from outgoing transactions on the Ethereum wallet down to public APIs like Twitter, Gmail, Dropbox, any API there is. Later down the road, there's also other APIs we should going to offer ourselves, but that's a really different story. The process happens in the way that once we stop receiving activity from all these endpoints for a certain specific period of time, we notify the inheritor about the necessity to access the inheritance. That's when the
5: Recipient goes in, fills out a query with some questions that afterwards generate this key that is needed to unlock all of the assets. The idea itself, where it came from, was that in the banking industry, there's a process known as escheatment So basically what it means that if a bank has an account and it hasn't been touched for, let's say, three years, it varies depending on the bank itself. And other online services have this as well. And if after these three years, they fail to find this user who has this bank account, they pass these assets on to the state who afterwards tries to locate the rightful inheritors. In the meantime, they take commission from this process and they basically charge you money without you even being active and the family could use those funds that they have used up themselves. By utilizing these online integrations, we can shorten the amount of time to understand when the client is inactive. To pass these assets on as soon as possible to the rightful inheritors. And the best part about this is that the recipients don't necessarily need to know about the service itself. For example, you can store your keys on a paper wallet in a USB drive or whatever, but the thing is that the end receiver needs to know about the whereabouts of this piece of paper or USB stick. In this case, you just need to fill in the data of the recipient and this service works automatically, and afterwards, the inheritor does not need to know about digitals in the first place. So it's like a personalized, anonymous deposit box for your crypto and digital media. Now, that sounds
2: fascinating, and it sounds like something that's definitely needed. Now, looking at your website, you talk about your technology having a decentralized core, that you also are using double encryption, and you have this trustless architecture and so my question would be, how far along is your technology today? I mean, is it fully baked? Or are you going to be using a lot of the ICO or the money from the ICO that you raised to build that up? What's that roadmap of finishing up the technology?
4: The roadmap looks quite promising, actually. We are releasing the beta in less than seven days.
5: Well, like, we're trying to release it by the 28th of February. So...
4: It's less than seven
0: days. Yeah, it will come out. Well, what, actually, by the time this is released, it'll be the 28th of February. So essentially, you're shooting for today if you guys are listening to this as it rolls out. By the way, didn't share the website. I want you guys, if you want to take a look at it to know where to go, it's digipulse.io, dot i o, where you can see more about the existing developments and service that you guys have here. Talk about the community that you've built around this and where people find that. How do they engage?
5: How it all started was like, uh, I think a lot of ICOs go the same path through Bitcoin Talk. That's where we initially launched our idea. And it wasn't all fun and games at the beginning because at that time we had the idea. We found that we have this perfect product fit for the crypto community. But at that time, we didn't actually know all the nooks and crannies of how to conduct an ICO and our idea we had two ICOs. So the first one we did on August that failed to reach our soft cap. But the idea was that it was a little bit too complicated, the initial vision we had. But we had a lot of great feedback from the community that we afterwards integrated into our new vision, came back stronger, listened to the people, shout out to everyone who helped us get where we are today. And afterwards, We Basically, this also granted us credibility because all of the funds from the initial ICO were given back to the investors. They understood, hey, this is a good project. The team is solid. And from that on, the ball started to roll. We had a couple of YouTube personas who actually made videos about our project that raised, I'm not sure if I can mention people names on your project. But Cliff High was one of them who actually featured us in his report at that time, I think it was number report number six. And the community just started growing from there. We just focus on delivering the product on answering basic questions on improving our product and listening to the community because actually, it's a product for the people. So it makes sense to listen to them in the first place, right? For sure.
2: Yeah. And, I, and actually, on your website, you actually have Cliff's quote there. And he's the chief scientist at Half Past Human. He's actually like a A really sharp sort of data scientist analyst kind of guy looking into the future and looking into different things that are being said and sort of finding the pulse of of what's going on and he makes predictions about stuff and he said digipulse is another of these great ideas from open minds in latvia begun as a small business focused on the atoms we leave behind Uh, they had a good vision to see the digital remains we leave as yet another problem needing solving digipulse consider themselves very well positioned to take on the responsibilities of the space now you know, this is this is something that, you know, as of today, February 2018, everyone dies at some point, right? That might change in the future as we get into DNA modifications and whatnot. I mean, that's some sci-fi sounding stuff. It's a possibility. But right now, we all pass away. We've not figured out how to conquer death yet. And this is a big problem. And being able to solve the fact that we can leave our digital assets behind is something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about. And so I think one question that a lot of people would want to know is like, how capable is your team of being able to pull off something
5: this big? Well, I can straight away say that our team is 100% capable. What we want the people to understand is that we are startup driven people with this mentality of, uh, can I curse on the show? (laughs) (laughs) We never curse on the show, damn it. Uh, Get done, And this is the mentality mentality that we have in ourselves that we aren't going to sit in the office like from 9 to 5 and look at the clock. It's the other way around for us. It's to deliver the product, create what we have promised. Everybody is really driven, uh, motivated.
4: And this idea is challenging in its essence as well. So all the dev guys are super eager to tackle all the issues which come along. Uh, We have had brainstorms almost every other day how to creatively work around the issues we face some daily, like basically, there are issues all the time. And uh, without the proper team, we wouldn't be able to deliver the product at all. I think what's important to understand, too, and that I've discovered
0: is I've looked deeper on the site. This just isn't about just passing on crypto. This is all digital assets. So, you know, if you've got cloud drives, you know, storage out there in the cloud, uh, your email accounts, your social media profiles, all of these things could be placed on the blockchain. So they are inheritable. Is that correct?
4: Yep, that's correct. And the idea is that we initially aim for the crypto space because it's easier to focus on one small segment, uh, at a time. But afterwards, the goal behind the digitals is that basically we tackle all the digital stuff you can leave behind, including the integrations to the services and whatever you can think of. Everything that digitized will be used, will have the ability to be stored in the digitals.
2: As we're winding up this interview then, you know, we always like to know about the tokenomics. I mean, how does your token work, the DigiPulse, the DGPT
5: token, is that right, DGPT? How does that actually work in this ecosystem? Locally here, we have heard about a lot of projects that use the ICO to simply raise funds and the token itself is useless. In our case, we are utilizing it to pay our storage providers who keep up the DigiPulse blockchain itself. So it's necessary in order to have these people help our cause, basically.
4: That's the shortest summary.
5: Yeah, the shortest summary we can. I think the the question
0: is, how does it actually work? How does somebody use it? Uh,
5: the okay. token, or yeah, the, the, product the, the or token. token. How how do you use the token? So once you uh once you create a vault, uh so basically a user creates a vault and afterwards. He has to pay utilizing the, the, our token, our DGPT token. Afterwards, this comes into our system. A part of it comes back to the company to like uh, pay for the existing expenses that we have, and another part of it goes to the storage providers who keep keep up our blockchain. And then it's like transmitted through the companies, transmitted back into the uh, circulation, so other people can jump on and again start utilizing the token. So it's a, a form of payment and a form of reward for the storage providers. But in the near future, we also plan to integrate fiat payments for the service so that other people who are more focused on digital media as opposed to crypto assets could also utilize our product.
0: As two things that people don't like to think about, death and taxes, and both are inevitable, which means, you know, when producing a service like this, your market is everyone. Uh, you know, so that's a, it's not a bad way to run a business. As you guys were talking about the roadmap, we didn't get too far into the future, so maybe you can tell us the, the long term vision and where this is going.
5: Currently, the idea is to have this product delivered for the B two no, C,
4: the B two C direction. Or, yeah, exactly. Uh, like...
5: So currently, we are uh, developing the B two C direction, which we initially set out to do, but afterwards, we see that we also have applications for the B two B model where we can integrate with the third-party wallet providers or online exchanges where we can help these services to understand better the activity of their clients. And this would help a lot of people out, especially the services themselves, because if they have an inactive account, they can afterwards find out the inheritor and then onboard this new person into their service. So, so basically
4: not they wouldn't lose a customer.
5: Yeah, and also there is this uh, like social positivity aspect to it because they are like uh, caring about the assets of the users. And this is something that we plan to finalize by the end of this year.
0: Norman Dimitri from DigiPulse. Again, the website is digipulse.io for you guys to check it out. It is trading already on a couple different exchanges, EtherDelta and Cryptopia. Thanks, guys, for joining us and sharing your story.
5: Hey, thanks for having us.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I think the team uh, at CCP Digital did a good job of bringing us these three for this episode. And if you are involved in an ICO or or an advisor for one, uh, there's a variety of ways that Bad Crypto might be able to help you. So reach out to us at uh, badcrypto at gmail dot com and tell us more and. We'll put you in the hopper and, and, uh, if there's interest, we'll set up a call and, and discuss it with you. And we hope that those of you listening have enjoyed this show. This whole idea of digital inheritance is, is something that's been on my mind, which is why I was really excited to see this project come along because, you know, as you're beginning to, um, acquire Uh, tokens and currencies. And then you have, you know, stuff in the cloud. I've wondered, like, how do I, how does my family know where to find what? And so, uh, could prove to be a good solution. I hope those guys are able to execute it well. It's, it's true.
2: And you're pretty old. So I mean, you'll be dead sooner than most. So that's what I have to think about.
0: (laughs) What is this? This is like that show with Shatner that we've talked about. It's never too late.
2: You're the Shatner of this show. <laughs> I Dude. might be dead. I might be dead before you. You never know. You, you're not guaranteed each day, folks. I mean, every day is a blessing. Live as if you're blessed. And as always, Mr. Joel Kahn,
0: do good stuff
2: <laughs> and stay bad. Yeah, do good stuff. Stay bad. Have a dichotomy. Have a little. Carpe DM. Carpe, carpe all
0: the, Go find all those little diems Gather them together and carpe the crap out of them. You carpe the sh-
2: this the DM. You hear me?
0: Stay bad. <laughs> <laughs>